celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Talk Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Today, very excited, we have Brad Olson. He is the Principal Economist and Chief Executive of Infometrics. He's a leading commentator in the economic world, constantly on the road or in the air, traveling around New Zealand to connect with people, businesses, and governments. Brad has this insane ability to make the complex simple and explains finance in a truly relatable layperson logic that significantly lowers the educational barrier to enter economic conversations. It's no surprise that Brad has been an exceptional person from a young age, whether it's traveling to the US in primary school to take out an international problem-solving competition or in 2016 when he was announced as New Zealand's Queen's Young Leader and went on to meet her three times as part of the leadership program at Buckingham Palace, among other royals. He's one of the youngest Justice of the Pieces nationally, and he was named Young Wellingtonian of the Year in 2020. And a core drive behind Brad's ambition is his service to others. And I could list it all, whether it's UNICEF Youth Ambassador at age 16, representing New Zealand and Fiji, or serving on numerous regional and national committees, boards, volunteering his time for others, but Brad joined Infrometrics in 2015 as a part-time data analyst while studying for his double degree at Victoria Uni and has swiftly risen to become one of New Zealand's most prominent and youngest economic experts. I've merely skimmed the top of his accomplishments and his attributes, hoping to highlight his pure genius combined with his work ethic and comforting charm. It is such a pleasure to welcome you and despite being coined bad news brad by the flesh born and Haley uh, zm show it's clear you brad are quite the positive character so i'm stoked to welcome you and my first question is where and how are you today i'm in wellington i'm coming to you from the infometrics uh boardroom here um i'm i'm well i mean look uh the there's so much going on in the world um i find that fascinating i love trying to keep a finger on the pulse of everything I can. Um, you know, I'm an avid uh, news consumer, both um, domestically in New Zealand, but also across the rest of the world. So it's going well. Um, life is always uh, exciting. That's, um, I couldn't ask for much more. I love that. And like, just a high level of today, obviously, it's 11am, you've got this interview. What does your like, day look like today? Is it a routine? Is it jam packed? I mean, I feel like it's cliche to say there's sort of no usual day, right? Um, but I think as well, there are so many different bits and pieces. I've got friends where, you know, they work in nine to five. Um, they'll get into their office or, you know, their work site at 9 a.m. And they know that like at 5 p.m. That, that part of them almost stops. Maybe not fully, but but sort of, you know, that, that role, especially if it's not in an office and if they can't have emails coming through, it, it ends at five. And they'll show up the next day or they might have to work later, but like that's it. I feel like this is a bit more of a lifestyle. You know, this morning I started um, at about 4.30 a.m. waking up, uh, getting ready to go in, uh, do a TV interview um, in studio here in Wellington. Um, there have been various meetings already this morning. There will be more later on. There's a flight to do. There's a presentation to make and then give. There's a report to write. And and there's still keeping an eye on how the world's moving. I mean, in the economic space, there's, there's always something new. So, um yeah, not a usual day, but definitely sort of a, a lifestyle of keeping moving. Thank you. And that's something to emphasize is like, I try to just keep on track of the East Coast and New Zealand time zones. That's all I'm looking at. I look at the exchange rate. When's a good time to send money back? And I'm just like, my goodness, I'm so grateful for people such as yourself who look at the whole scope. So I can be like, mm, I want to focus on this little bit of what you're doing. So huge kudos and that gets me to this first question and there's the meme you must consider of like what my friends think I do what my parents think I do what I actually do I love using this uh to help kind of deconstruct break down the assumptions people have about your job and then what you do so could you please apply the meme what people think I do versus what I actually do to your role as not just principal economic Ah, principal economist and chief executive. Look, I, th I mean, it's interesting because I feel like uh, I wear sort of, a, like you say, a lot of hats. 
um, in the chief executive role, you know, that, that's leading the business and, and that's looking after the team's welfare, thinking about all of those uh, sorts of things. It's writing board papers and, and what have you. Uh, and then you've got sort of the principal economist role, which is more the the, the hardcore uh, economics. And I think, you know, in terms of what people think I do, they see the TV and the media sort of stuff quite a lot. So I sort of almost expect that they think that I'm always, you know, doing an interview or researching an interview and, and similar. Actually, that's it's not a huge part of the day. Um, I think they also expect that I'm sort of sitting behind my desk, tip-tapping away at an Excel spreadsheet, you know, maybe going off for a meeting with someone really important um, and, and what have you. Uh, part of that is, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sort of makes a, a lot of sense. And actually, to be fair, I feel like in this job, um, because I have got a lot more exposure out there in the public they probably do know what I do a lot more because they sort of do see it they see the media interviews they see the meetings going on they see me traveling um and and what have you so that's probably not too different it, it's the behind the scenes stuff I think that, that people probably don't um understand quite as much in terms of you know people will, will ask well how do you know what's happening how do you know the xyz uh, about this local economy or this industry and you know, that'll be analysis and research, but it'll be talking to some of my team. You know, I might have got them to do some uh, research or analysis for me first, and they'll inform me. Um, I might be going to visit people, you know, businesses or what have you. Um, that's not probably what a normal or, or typical expectation of an economist might be. But actually, it's some of the best. You know, you, you get a real understanding of what's happening locally on the ground. Um, at recent times, I've been, uh, I visited a, a dam, you know, huge bit of infrastructure, $200 million. Um, that's not what a normal economist does, I, I suspect, but it gives me a way better appreciation for like how things are going, what business leaders are thinking about. So a, a little bit of, of overlap, but also I think some of that black box thinking of like, you go to work, you do it, and then you leave. A um, little bit different, I expect, for me. Yeah, totally. And that relates to something I super appreciate of making layperson logic. That's why I like that little affiliation, like the alliteration, because when people see you at the dam, at the construction site, in the society, it's like, oh yeah, he's credible. I trust him. And we will get into that a little bit because I'm like, gosh, you're 26. Like that's, that's so much. But did you trust me? <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I trust you. Oh, it, it, it's one of the, I mean, it comes up a lot. Let's leave that for later, though, like you say. Yeah, yes. Um, oh, I want to just jump into it all. But that is something that I think is super appreciative. And that's why, like, genuinely, I started listening to you when you came up on ZM. That's when I was first introduced. And I listened to the podcast from the States. And I'm suddenly like, oh, what is happening with the economy there? Because I'm looking at the East Coast most of the time. And then I'm thinking, Oh yeah, when should I send money back? Like when's it advantageous? And it suddenly became this thing that wasn't scary stock exchange and it just became very tangible. So I think you going out there and speaking to people and meeting them where they are is what has lowered that barrier to entry. And do you feel that like when you're with people, has it increasingly happened? Absolutely. But like, I, I sort of find it ridiculous. Like that's the bare minimum that you should expect from people in my role a, a little bit. Like I, I love it. And, and I find it, it's a, it's really important for me to be genuine and to be out there and get some real information and, and make it useful. Like I, the frustrating thing is that that's not normal. Um, and, and it should be, you know, what's the point of doing all of this work if you're just sounding smart and jazzing yourself up so that other people go, I don't understand what he's all about, but like, I think I think it sounds legit enough that I should just trust him. Like that, that's actually a really poor outcome. And, and I've always sort of, you know, look, I like talking, that's fairly clear, but it, it's been so that it can make a difference, that people can use it. And my sort of reference point's always been uh, my dad, uh, lovely, you know, builder up in Whangarei, lovely bloke. Um, if I can explain to him and, and the boys on the worksite sort of thing what's going on, they might not be, you know, immediate run, run off to the bank or whatever it might be. But if they can understand and go, oh, that helps me think about what I'm doing, you know, whether it's what I'm buying at my home, whether or not I'm doing some business, um, again, what happens for the wider society. I think that's good. But, you know, if it's useful and it's usable, um, then we're in a better place. And, and I mean, that happens still. Um, I said something recently. Dad came back to me and he was like, Brad, you use the word grandiose. What the heck's that? I was like, cool, strike that off the list. Um, because again, it wasn't immediately understandable. And if it's not understandable, then what, what's the point? Yes. And so your dad's a builder. My dad 
roofed as a roofer for 20 something years, always creating things. And I think there's something really awesome about being a kid, seeing your parent create something, especially when it's a construction site and you almost get like, it's its own economy in the sense that the supplies come in, labor is applied, and then you produce this house in your case, or I would see a roof. And it's like the most basic thing a kid can see of like, oh, this comes in, this comes in, the formula, and now I'm seeing this. So I wonder how much that probably was maybe influencing or shaping you a little bit too. Hugely. I mean, like, yeah, we'd build all sorts of stuff uh, with with dad. And and also, I mean, it taught you the value of money. Um, at one time, I won a, um, a voucher, a $200 voucher for construction materials when I was like 11. Now, funnily enough, 11-year-old Brad didn't have any construction that I wanted to do myself. So I said to dad, like, hey, you're a builder. Do you can we work out a deal here? And as you know, he was like, well, yeah, but like, it's not worth $200 cash. So, you know, what do you want for it? So we, we came up with sort of a, a bit of a feeling of, of what it was worth. Um, but look, I mean, mum as well, mum worked in a bank when she was, um, you know, earlier in life and, and sort of has continued in various ways going forward. You know, she's been a huge inspiration in terms of, again, how does money work? How does life work uh, in general? So all of that's good. It's always funny though, because I feel like when I talk to people, they often say, thank you so much, you know, for, for dumbing it down. And I sort of, it, it, I'm always like, oh no, I'm so grateful that you sort of picked up on the information, but it also makes me cringe inside a little bit that it seems to be dumbing it down because it implies that people aren't smart enough. And, and, and that's just absolutely false. What it is, is that people want to know, what does this mean for me? Like, you know, you're talking before about the stocks and bits and pieces. At the end of the day what you actually want to know is not what is the real intricacies of company xyz and why their stock prices moved up and why their you know earnings ratios change around you want to know look am i making more money am i making less money is it riskier is it better do i need to think about this because my household needs more should i think about that because it, it's going to mean that my tax rate goes up like that i think is it's, it's less dumbing it down or whatever it's boiling it down to like what do you need to know and what's going to be useful for you so that you can make a decision based on it yeah totally it's the same way a plumber or a roofer or whatever it is i don't need to know what you're doing with the pipes is it going to work i love that that's it's its own trade oh that's awesome um there was a quote like you said there's many awesome quotes out there but one that i actually took and i've put in my own side of you is presenting a cohesive insightful and understandable story comes naturally and it is a powerful tool to get people to sit up and listen and it keeps on going but i actually took that for my own because with tall poppy syndrome and all of that stuff i'm trying to do it's like yeah, everyone does relate to it in some way, whether they call it imposter syndrome, tall poppy, bullying, like there's all sorts. So I just wanted to say I took that and I was like, yeah, I want to make it so there's powerful tools and conversations happening on that. So I'll actually jump to that question first. Uh, what is tall poppy syndrome in your own words? No right or wrong answer. And have you experienced it? Yeah, I mean, to the last part, absolutely. Um, I feel like in a sense, I've sort of, um, brushed past it or sort of just ignored it, which uh, we'll, we'll get to, I expect. But I mean, what does it mean? I, I think it is that idea. I mean, imposter syndrome is almost the place that I think of it more from my personal experience to start with, um, that, you know, people are, uh, uh, well, internally I'm going, am I actually good enough? Is this legit? Like, is 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 am what I'm providing um, defendable, comprehensive? Is is it credible? Um, but I think a lot of that comes down to do people trust you or feel like they trust you, say that they trust you? And and how does that come about? Now, flipping that on its head, I think the reason that I've become so passionate, if you will, in the areas that I work is by being told no so early on. Um, you know, when, when you're a younger person, especially a younger person, I feel like a lot of times people sort of say to you, well, look, now's not your time. You know, like like it's 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 not time for you. You know, you're not at the big kids' table. Let the adults talk in that. And and I've sort of tried to challenge that pretty quickly. It was like, well, if I've got a good idea or something to contribute here, at the end of the day, sure, it might not be the sort of thing that um immediately makes a change. But like, there's no, there shouldn't be an immediate delimiter on like what goes up or what 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 doesn't. So I wanted to get involved pretty quickly and and. In my way, um, people wouldn't let me in. So I convinced them, I, you know, I needed to make a case. I needed to, to sort of force them to take me seriously. Um, so I, I think a lot of that tall poppy stuff comes through from people that 
uh, you know, do attack your credibility. They say you're not good enough. Um, now's not the time. You're not in the right position. You're you're trying to be effectively too big for your boots. And I guess my point there is that if I'm trying to be too big for my boots, give me the biggest size boot. That is so brilliant. I um, yeah. When I was thinking of this question for you, I'm like, gosh, he's gonna have experience that, of course. But there's facts and there's figures and there's reports you co-author and all these things that build that credibility and there's authority that you just can't really uh deny so that probably bolstered you but yeah if we go back three years and you haven't got all that experience behind you and people don't know you as the economic expert um how do you push through that I know you said you kind of just brushed through it but is there anything it's okay if it's not I mean, I think I think to be brutally honest, you, you just sort of I've, I've often talked about it a little bit of just ignoring and losing your dignity. And, and I say that in terms of like, you know, people always come and, and, and push back. Um, and, you know, look, I, I was bullied when I was younger and, and, and all sorts of bits and pieces. And, um, you know, again, I'm not saying this has been particularly easy. You know, you, you go to school and, and you want to go and leave for a committee meeting or something. Um, and, and people absolutely take the mickey and more importantly people like I feel like some people take the mickey because it is like a bit of a laugh and then other people sort of take it like what are you doing there like you, that's not your position get get out and I think it's those that, that harder sort of view which is being more difficult um, to, to push against um, but equally I've sort of I guess taken the point of view that if other people are willing to give me space, um, that's them sort of giving the legitimacy. Like, you know, legitimacy is sort of earned, not by age, not by sort of position, but by meaning. Um, you know, whether or not you 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 come at it with the right passion and other people respect you enough. You don't need them to like you, but if they give you that time and that space themselves from their established position, then I think that, that lends itself. And I guess I say that again, you know, at, at university, I was going into all of these, um, I was probably spending more time in university committees than I was, uh, you know, in, in class, um, possibly to my academic detriment. But but a lot of that was, uh, again, trying to sort of push the boundaries and, and highlighting that, look, I had some good ideas. And the thing there was that I think a lot of people have got great ideas. It's just they don't get the space, the forum to put them across. Um, and so, look, I was always probably a little bit more bold, you know, um, one of the mottos I live by in life is if you don't ask, the answer's always no. So like, what's the harm in asking? Um, I remember, you know, um, first year at university, I'd go to big events at parliament. You know, you've got some big, big high status people there and you've got 18 year old me who knows very few people. Um, and funnily enough, you can't rock into a conversation, you know, into a big group of bigwigs and just be there. You know, it just doesn't happen. What you have to do is, again, this is to losing the dignity, if you will, is you stand there um, just awkwardly outside the circle and natural human interaction means that someone in the circle is going to feel that presence behind them and go, oh, come on in. That's it, you're in. You, you've got to be a bit bold. I feel like you've got to take that point. Um, I do think that the age thing, though, has always been the real frustration. And I remember when I first did a TV interview, for example, someone said, and it was actually great advice, they said, put on a tie. Not because you need it, not because it, it it actually will change your advice, but it will break down or it will allow you to connect with people a little bit quicker. They'll think you're a bit older. They'll give you a little bit more legitimacy. And I think if I look at where I am now, no one ever starts with, here's Brad, he's 26. They start with, here's what he does, and this is what he's done. And I, I, I like that because people think I'm a lot older than I am. I don't know if that's because I've just lost my youthful looks quickly or what, but What's probably most important is that if I feel like if I start with my age, then yes, there's always that question of legitimacy that comes in. If it's more, here's what I've done, here's what I'm doing, that's way more important to what all of this is about. You know, if I'm coming in providing um, expert economic advice, uh, you don't have to think about it from it's coming from a 26 year old or whatever. It's like, do you do you trust the person and the brand and the information around it? Yes, it's that credibility and what you're actually doing is then helping the next gen or the next person who comes in, right? Because inherently people will acknowledge the age, right? And then they're like, oh, well, damn, if Brad, he's 26. I don't care if it's good advice, it's good advice. And then the product, which is your expertise, speaks for itself. But it definitely is that age barrier, that experience. 
you have the experience, but sometimes if someone's first entering the workplace, right? Like I'm trying to get more presence in podcasting radio. You just have to put your head down or if you say, put the dignity inside and trust yourself and that I'm going to keep going at it. And then when you do get those little inklings, like someone does open up the circle for you, acknowledge that, appreciate that. And then I reckon you'll be the one, you're no doubt the one opening the circle up for other people. It's going to create that momentum. I, I think the thing is once you've opened that door, like run with it, yeah. like, like don't, don't just stay within the door, like, like really burst through it. But, but this is probably the biggest one uh, from my point of view around the likes of tall poppy syndrome and, and, and imposter syndrome and all that thinking is that by you having to be a lot more, I think, bold and forthright in that to put yourself in the space, that's what seems to rub people up the wrong way. Is is you know like 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 people go well? Why were you at that parliament event? Why are you trying to break into the podcasting space? Why are you trying to do economics so young? You know, like learn your place, sort of sit down and 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 wait your turn and all that. And and I think that's why, from my point of view, I'm a little bit almost disassociated from some of that feedback because I sort of go like, I didn't listen to you at the start, which is how I got here. What I've been doing seems to be working pretty well for me. So with the greatest sort of respect, I don't really care what your thoughts are about that. Like, oh, this is working for me. I genuinely don't feel like I'm, um, you know, screwing other people over or, or, or locking doors and what have you. It's just, I think, um, being willing to upset the, the apple cart a bit more. I fully accept that when I do that, like, I don't expect people to be perfectly happy about it. You know, breaking into this sort of career and that in, in the way I have, I fully expect some people like what on earth is going on but also I feel like where that comes through and where you gain that legitimacy is figuring out if you're a flash in the pan or not you know if if you make it on to a, a tv interview or, or in front of a, a big business group or something and what you have to say is not useful it's not understandable it doesn't sort of meet the the, the sniff test from those people you won't get invited back so yes you know you've sort of barged away in the first time but that might well be it. The, the legitimacy, if you if you will, that comes through is when they go, actually, I like that. That that worked. It's useful. I can I can go away with it. Um, and that's when I think you start to keep going. I remember quite clearly back. Um, you know, a lot of my profile personally came through uh, during the earliest stages of COVID. People were desperately trying to make sense of what this huge big shift in the geopolitical arena and, and the economic arena was like. Now, I've got no rule book for that. I haven't lived through a pandemic. But equally, I wasn't coming through with, here's what happened with SARS, therefore it must be the same, or here's what happened with the GFC. It was a little bit, look at the information, make a well-informed uh, decision from it. And I remember talking to a journalist at one point. I said, look, I, lo I love you calling me. I, I'm, it's, it's great, but I, I really think it's useful that I get this information out. But I said, why? Why do you call back? What is the reason that you don't call anyone else or that, that you know, you, you, you quote me when you haven't quoted me before? And it's always stuck with me because they said two things. One, you give me an answer in five minutes that takes me at least half an hour with other people. And, and it was at that point that I re realized that, again, it's that communication element of let's make this useful. Uh, a little bit almost no matter what the information is, if you can translate it, then it's good. But the other bit was picking up the phone, being accessible, being sort of onto it immediately. Like, I, I feel like, again, my sort of way of working is, yeah, always be contactable as much as possible because you have such passion for trying to make change that, again, that probably ticks some people off, but it works. I'm so impressed. I knew you're obviously impressive, but I'm taking a lot hearing what you're saying about like when once you're in the door, run with it, keep backing yourself, but make sure what you have to say or what you're doing is good. And that's where credibility and legitimacy will grow. And when I listen back to this, I'm going to have something way better to <laughs> follow it up with, but I'm just a little bit caught up in that. Well, I think, though, you look at, let's look at this podcast for a second. I sort of hate to flip, flip the script here, but, like, people wouldn't come on the podcast, right, if they didn't think it was worthwhile. Like I, I get a lot of requests, and sometimes I just can't follow up with all of them. And and I do think that's important. Like, you sort of, it, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. When, when you see that established and when you go, actually, this is good, this is worthwhile, then you do it. I mean, I look, one of the other philosophies, if you will, that I try and live by is, 
if it's important, you'll make time, and if not, you'll make excuses. Like you, 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 you do the stuff that that makes makes sense, that's worthwhile. So I think a huge part of it is that you you build a little bit of that legitimacy, a little bit of that respect from other people. You've got to put yourself out there. But there is, I think, a, that's almost where I see the tall poppy syndrome conversation eventually going. Is like there are some people who probably legitimately go, mate, I think you're working a little bit out of your station, not because I want to pull you down, but because it doesn't sort of seem to be always working out. That's not to say they're a bad person. I just think sometimes they need to redirect. It, it's when you have that Goldilocks zone of being able to put yourself forward for a good reason and having that rationale behind you and other people sort of picking up the baton that you're handing on and going, yeah, no, I'm, I'm willing to accept this baton. It's legit. Let's push it forward. Well, thank you. First of all, I, that sincerely means so much to me. And exactly every time I've reached out to someone, this topic relates in some way, right? If regardless of the scope of, um, you could, famous is the word, but it's, it's recognizableness, whatever that word is, people who are in the public sphere have experienced it in some capacity, but so is everyone, like everyone, I think in New Zealand, or I use different words, depending on what country people are from. They're like, yeah, I want to talk about this because I wish I'd seen someone maybe doing what I'm doing, right? Like if we share that success, and that's why my tagline is like, share success, learn from legends, grow more poppies, because there's people who are looking at you and are like, oh, okay, like I'm going to take economics in school because seeing other people and thinking, oh, I can actually do that. That's what I want to create and like not be scared to ask you and not be thinking, oh, I'm actually jealous. So I'm going to cut you down instead going like, hey, like if someone's in school, I would love it if someone does really well in school and instead of calling them a nerd or doing something like that, going over and be like, how do you study? Right, like mm. actually starting conversations. Someone gets in a sports team that you didn't like. How do you train outside of practice? Like ha having those conversations where we're not protective of or defensive of other people's success. Like I think people see it as a threat. Absolutely, and, and I think like sometimes just having to wear the wear the L's and, and, and you know, like if you don't get into the sports team, like there's nothing you can do about it at that point. You can work hard for the next opportunity, but. I mean, you know, again, cliche to say, but everyone talks a lot about you, how you learn so much more from the losses than the wins almost. And I think that's true. But I mean, I've also learned in life that like sometimes stuff happens and and once that decision's made, you can't, you can't, there's no, you know, TMO, there's no ability to go, look, I'd like a review of that decision. Um, a lot of times you've sort of got to roll with the punches. I do. It's interesting though as well in terms of, you know, when, when people are looking for, um, other people in their space or, or people that they're, you know, comparing to or looking up to. Uh, that's I always find that real, um, really interesting personally because I don't think of myself like that. Um, and and every now and then people bring it up and it's always a bit of a weird conversation because I would say, like, do if you're doing it for the right reasons, that is probably ninety percent of it. And and I say that because a lot of the time when people sort of go, oh, well, I'd love to do what you do and blah 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 doesn't happen that often thank goodness but in a sense like I sort of go do you because I wouldn't wish what I do on my worst enemy I, I wouldn't change what I do for the world but I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and I say that because like you've got to choose it um yes there are some incredible opportunities yes I really hope that I make a difference in points you make some big sacrifices I'm totally cool with that I'm not cool with expecting other people to make them. I feel like if it's that choice, you're making that decision yourself definitively, great. But I also sort of go, um, you know, like I, I guess it's um, to your point around uh, growing those poppies. I'd love to have a few more poppies in, in my little field over here. But equally, if I can help support a poppy that's a kilometre that way in a different field, that's good too. This relates so much to the question that was like burning inside of me other than tall poppy it's like you're 26 we're ba like we're basically the same age and I'm like holy guacamole Brad is on 24 7 you said that at the beginning it's not a nine to five it is like a 24 7 gig and you've earned yourself this position of the authority we've gone through that you're credible people trust you they really trust you so how do you balance being an ambitious 26 year old and just you know wanting to enjoy life with this 24 7 responsibility of your position 
I mean, in a sense, not thinking about it and just sort of like, I feel like if you've got a few values that you live by and you've got that sort of passion and what have you, you just sort of keep keep going a, a little bit um, it, it, it is my way of doing it. And I only say that because, gosh, I don't think I consciously know. Um, it, it, it does sort of happen, but but it is because you sort of start from a good foundation and, and, a, and, a, and a reason behind it. You know, I, I want to leave this place better than I found it. I think as well, like I've recognized over time, there's no right way to do to do this job, to do life in, in general. And, uh, you know, again, I, I sort of look at um, the way I do things, the way that I've known friends to do things. Everyone's correct in their own little world. You know, I've, I've got friends who um, at you know, uh, high school, for example, they don't want to move to the hustle and bustle of Wellington where, you know, your blood pressure is always sky high and you're always, you know, highly caffeinated and, and, and highly stressed out. They wanted to go and make some money so they could put fuel in the boat and go fishing on the weekends. Like that, that's bliss for them. I've got other friends, you know, they are they've got a great career, but you know what? They've got a really happy marriage, they've got a dog, they've got a house, they live a great lifestyle. Um, I love going up there because it's sort of a little bit of, of home away from home, a little bit of a, an escape for me. I, I couldn't do it uh, permanently. But I feel like, yeah, you, you've got to do each of your own things at, at different points. Um, a big part for me is is that drive of wanting to do better, wanting to 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 leave this place better than I found it. But importantly, like I recognize that I'm going at a million miles an hour. Um, and I often think of, um, uh, I think it's the MIA song, you know, um, live fast, die young, bad girls do it well sort of thing. Like the first part of that, like we're, we're running hard um, and, you know, like maybe I'm trying to, it, it's never definitive that I'm trying to achieve X amount in X amount of time because a lot of this is like not having a plan. You know, everyone's like, how'd you get here? I have no idea. It, I'm not saying it just sort of happened because I, I do think that I've worked hard for it, but you sort of just got to roll with it. You know, I had a bit of a direction in terms of, I want to make change. Let's figure out how I best do that. Oh, economics seems to be an interest area. Let's go down to Wellington to university and do that. Who are we going to work for? No idea. Let's see what opportunities come up. Oh, there's a private sector institution. Small organisation, big cog in, in a small team. You know, let's see what happens. So um, you've got to have a bit of a direction. As you're sort of floating down the river, you reach out to sort of whatever opportunities come past. But... I, I do sort of think in, in my world, like, I want to run it hard because life is short um, and I'm not going to wait until uh, you, you're supposed to hit the milestones to get there. Like, if I can, I'm going to I'm gonna do it early. First of all, I had to contain my laughter because I was not expecting that <laughs> song from you. Do you reckon part of why these notions of what should be? Because that's what's going to make you... Brad has, like I said, from a young age... You're hitting this. It looks like, oh yeah, stride by stride by stride. Whatever's next is just as exciting as what's been what you're doing now. I have this theory, hypothesis, that especially entering the workforce during the pandemic, basically we were told like, hey, all those things you thought were going to happen, all those rule books of the structure, gone, go inside. Like it completely rattled me. And that's why with the podcast, I'm like, what's the structure of how you get into it I, I can just start did that do you reckon that influenced you a little bit hugely I mean I, I feel like when change happens whatever it is you can either get bowled over by it or you can like push into it you know and, and I sort of think of it like um when you're in a wave you know you're at, at the beach now if you turn your back on the wave you're going to get absolutely flattened um, or you can sort of look at the wave, you can put your shoulder into it and then sort of dive through or have, however you want to get it, you're not immediately pushed back by the wave. And I think that that was a big part of, you know, let's make, let's break some things and and, and, and give a few things a go. Um, I, I think that's a big one. It's like giving giving a few things a go, being willing to put yourself out there. Uh, now, I realise it takes, it takes quite a lot. Like it's not easy, be it public speaking or whatever else, to sort of push yourself there. Again, if, it, if the foundation's good, if you've got a reason for doing it, it's great. Um, at, at Infometrics, for example, I'll never forget this. That first week of lockdown, the economy life was moving way too quick for us to write a note. You know, by the time we wrote the note, it'd be out of date. You know, it has to get peer reviewed and blah, blah, blah. I went to the boss. I said, look, can I buy a Zoom account so that we can do some webinars for clients? And they turned around, they're like, I understood like half that sentence, but like, go for it. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? 
Um, we had like 400 clients on that call the first week. People were desperate for information. Um, I did it from my ironing board in my Wellington flat, uh, you know, with my laptop propped up by a wine box and a pizza box to get the angle right. Um, you know, like, like like just giving it a go. And I think that's the biggest thing is, again, if the answers, if you don't ask, the answer's always no. And sometimes the answer is no. Cool. Stop, redirect your energy. Um, you know, sometimes you'll want to push harder on that, but sometimes just like giving things a crack works out and and so for me it's always been yeah trying to push forward trying to figure out um how how you make that change and, and and what you're doing it for but but that's probably the biggest thing like if you're striving for success that's not going to work out like i know a lot of people refer to them you know social climbers or or, or collectors or whatever i i feel bad for them but like you, there are some people that i feel like are, try, are trying to achieve status or whatever else it might be for just that purpose and I really feel for them because I think actually when you get to know them they do have a purpose but sometimes it's harder to draw that out from them whereas I, I feel like for myself for a lot of people I know no matter what it is be it their job the extracurricular their family their church whatever like if they've got a passion they've got a reason for all of this that shines through way more than striving for success for success's sake like you're wanting to get somewhere and do something, not sort of um, just go through the motions because. Absolutely. It's that whole thing with purpose. And if you are, if you have a strong one, then you'll keep going and going. And if the recognition comes or it doesn't, or if you hit those milestones, again, cliche, it's not the destination, it's the journey and how you conduct yourself along the way. And it's funny you mentioned success because in anticipation of this uh, interview, I was like, hey, I'm very curious with all you're exposed to, especially going into each society, like within New Zealand, all the different regions, and you see all of it, whether it's Whangarei and like you said, success is having enough fuel in the boat to go out and fishing on the weekend. And I think a lot of times people are chasing like whether it's material things or certain milestones to reach quote unquote success. So how do you define success? Look, I'm going to be pretty raw and honest with you, which is, I, I think, the point of this podcast. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, and, and it's one of the things I struggle with the most because I desperately, desperately hope that I'm somehow, somewhere, some way making a difference. I've got no real ability to quantify that. Like, I can record the number of times I appear on the media or I go into work meetings or I visit the country. And as an economist, we love the numbers, so I do record those things. But I don't know if it makes an impact, you know, and, and I think that's the most difficult thing is um, what I appreciate the most through through a lot of my friends, through a lot of the work they do is that you can point to things that they've done, you know, like like they've got a, a successful relationship or, or a family or a dog, like the fact that you can keep your dog alive and, and well fed and you pick up their poop, like that, that demonstrable difference i can't keep a plant alive to save my life so like demonstrably not good if i do a good job though there's nothing definitive that i can point to and go that, that that's me that's 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 what we did when we're driving around town at home um dad the builder he can point to stuff built that built that your your roof and dad would be the exact same yes and i always go like I could be doing all of this for absolutely nothing. Um, you know, I'd like to think that maybe if I didn't give good advice, things would go like worse, that that would be the counterfactual. But again, when things go bad, you go, well, could it have been worse? Did I actually have any influence? So a lot of the time, genuinely no idea what success looks like, which is really hard because, uh, you know, you can swing very quickly from, I think I'm doing a good job. I've heard some good feedback to, what's the point of all of this i'm i'm completely useless and i've got no idea what i'm doing and like i actually don't know if i'm making a difference which is i think interesting as well with a bit more public profile um that becomes so much sharper you get some lovely people in person who are saying stuff you know like like thank you you're doing a good job i, I really enjoy listening to you or whatever um and that's that's great i feel like as a new zealander and i think this is a new zealand thing it's sort of like, nah, nah, don't worry about it. Like it's, it's don't, oh, don't tell me that I don't want to know about it. Um, but like the faceless, you know, person on Twitter, who's got the username, like bro1875 is like, you're dumb. I'm like, wow, I've taken that really to heart. Um, so 
yeah, I think it's one, it's hard taking feedback Two, genuinely no idea exactly what success looks like. Um, and, and it's something I struggle with every single day to go, actually, is, is this all worth it? I mean, look, honestly, every single week, I think about quitting this job and becoming a police officer. Because um, you know what? Demonstrable difference. I've got a friend who's a nurse, one of the most respected people I have in my life. She literally saves lives. Like what I do here does not directly save lives. I, I, I really hope it makes a difference, but that's the hardest question that people ever pose to me because although unlike most things in life, I have an answer, that one, I've got no clue. Thank you for the brutal honesty and the sense of, I don't know, I have no clue. You do make a huge difference. I just want to emphasize that even this conversation will, it's like a pivot point for me. I'm going to hold so many things dear from it. And I want to ask in parallel like high performance because those things are a little different right like success is again feels like a destination or like the it feels like the peak that maybe you could fall off and become unsuccessful whereas high performance is like in my mind an ongoing thing you're either a high performer or maybe you're not but it's it's less of like a peak sort of thing yes thank you thank you um so sorry another how do you define but how do you define high performance yeah I mean I feel like I I feel like I do it wrong a little bit um <laughs> in in this you know I, I love being always on I'm I'm so keen to to sort of keep everything going to to know as much as I can to sort of uh go forward um everyone tells me I need to take a bit more of a break and that you know your, your eyes close to burnout which um should I take that advice almost certainly will I take that advice highly unlikely um you know the, the leave balance is always high there's always more things to do um I, I feel like personally I try to keep when when I get to that sort of point of thinking that I'm in probably that high performance stage I'm, I'm always trying to extend myself in a slightly different direction so um you know alongside the economic stuff I, I do um my JP work I, I do other bits and pieces on the side I'm a marriage celebrant and and I think you just fit it into a bit of a priority structure. Like, will I be the world's best marriage celebrant? No, probably not. Uh, you know, I'd like to be pretty competent, but like, no. Um, can I do these other things at a at a high level? Yes. And and you're always building. You're you're always learning. Um, I do think there's something to be said for recognizing the different ways that people operate. Like, you know, some people they want to go and do two weeks away on a beach and be completely unconnected from their their phone um you know that that's the way they take a break or they relax me uh, you know couldn't think of anything worse my my way of relaxing is is different meetings or different things to do like i say whether or not that's a good thing you know people people really struggle with that um and and the worry i always have is like totally cool to have that that opinion and and view but like there's also a balance of like let me live my life I'm pretty happy with with where I am. When I think I need a bit of help, I'll reach out to those that um, I can. But uh, equally, like, yeah, there's always that interesting element of when people give you unsolicited advice. Sometimes you're like, wow, that was actually really useful and I really appreciate that. Sometimes it's like, please shut up. Sometimes you're like, I'm doing my thing, I know. But you can hear it and let it deflect. Ah, Again, so many things I want to dive in off that, but I'm going to focus on that idea of high performance across, like you said, your job, your role, the things you do, it's so ever evolving. No day is the same. So those metrics of high performance, or if you feel like you're performing well, you might not know until some things you'll get a pretty instant feedback. Like if you do an interview and it's not high performing because you get certain feedback, like, okay, noted, I'll take that on. Especially with anything like economy economy based it's going to be longer but that idea of relaxation too I want to focus on that because I feel like for you probably pretty similar we love to talk so I find it relaxing and like stimulating having conversations with someone who's so out of my circle and my day-to-day because it's like you know get a new perspective and you come back into your day-to-day you're like oh damn so when you're talking to all these people you're at the construction site with you know the engineers and stuff is that energy giving energy taking what's that like for you oh yeah it's a good question um probably a bit of both like certainly when I'm presenting to an audience like I I it's it's high energy from my point of view and you try to get a little bit of that back from the audience I mean 
funnily enough, in an economic presentation, people are not like, well, yeah, this is awesome. Like they're normally looking a little bit like stunned mullet, like, oh, well, there's a, one, there's a lot of information to get in. And two, like, sometimes it's grim, uh, especially at the moment. There's sort of like, oh, that's that's not looking great. So I feel like that's definitely an, an energy suck, if you will. And, and I often say to people, like doing an hour long economics presentation sometimes feels like an entire day's work. Like I'm knackered afterwards because it's you're 110% on, you're performing, you're trying to rem remember the information, you're trying to communicate it accurately and usefully and all those bits and pieces. Um, I think when I go and talk to other people, I always want to have a bit of base knowledge. Like I don't want to be a complete idiot in the conversation. But I also realize that like I'm not an expert. And, and the biggest one for me, and the one I think I get the most energy from, is when people are interested about talking about what they do. Like if, if we sit down and, and we're talking about a topic, I might be a complete idiot in it. I might never use it in my career or my life again. But if you're passionately talking to me about it, I'll pick up on the passion more than the content. And to be fair, I'll probably get jazzed about the content as well because you're delivering it with such energy. Uh, and that's, I mean, I take that a lot because that's how people often talk to me afterwards. You know, they'll sort of come up and they'll be like, look, I didn't expect to be that interested. I know it's important, but like normally it's dull as heck and you made that like engaging. And, and I take a lot from that because if it's engaging, you do actually take it on board. And if it's a little bit dull and a little bit challenging, you don't. Um, I sort of make it sound like a, a little bit when I was at university. If the lecturer is going to put up a bunch of slides that they've written, just print them off and send it to me. I, I can read, you know, and, and, and yes, I might get a bit of content from how you teach it. But if it's a huge written text, I can read. My presentations are normally like a graph, which you get. 40% of the information from if you get just the graph, you'll get another 40% just from me talking. But if you don't have the graphs, it's also a little bit useless. Together, it adds to the 100% of like, here's where we're going, here's how the whole story fits together sort of thing. Absolutely. And that's what's going to stick with people in their minds, because for whatever reason, that combination and your passion about it, 100%, I love it. I'm always thinking like, if someone's into coding or SEO or whatever it is, it might go over my head. But hearing someone be like super jazzed about something and just fizzing to talk about it, you might only retain 30% of what they've said, but you'll walk away going, oh man, they love what they do or they really love like economics. They love talking. There's there's also, I think, a lot about just the communications element. Like even look at in, in this recording, right? There's been a few phrases that I've used that like, are more interesting. And you'll probably remember, you know, uh, live fast, die young, bad girls do it well. Like I could have said the same thing in different words, but it wouldn't have been nearly uh, as insightful or, or memorable. You know, I've described the housing market in New Zealand as cooked before. And to me, that's a way better way to instantly describe it and for people to go, yes, then, you know, the housing market is extremely unaffordable for the average New Zealand household. Same information, way more boring. And and I like I, I do like to try and come up with the like, what is the quick fire way that you get this information in the most digestible, usable manner that doesn't bore you to tears and and somehow sticks in your brain? Like if you can do that, it's it's like a good hit song, right? It becomes a bit of an earworm for you. Absolutely. And you are smashing it on that front. And okay, as much as I could keep keep chatting and we will discuss because if you're coming to New York I will 100% be seeing you please but before I ask my sign-off question is there anything you feel like we've missed we haven't discussed I didn't ask you that you'd like to touch upon especially with the tall poppy conversation um I think probably the only bit and it, it sort of pulls a few strings together is just that element of like it's okay to be uncomfortable in this space if you're feeling super comfortable i'm not saying you're doing it wrong but i'm saying that like it, it, a lot of people i know are always a little bit on the edge of their seat always a little bit of unsure about what they're doing but the fact that they're sort of like keen to keep pushing they're, they're happy enough to be a bit uncomfortable because they see a reason for it i think is is really important like you are not going to keep everyone happy and I think the worst part about tall poppy syndrome is personally I don't know if this is defeatist or not I don't know if you shift everyone's opinion I'm all right with that I'm I'm pretty comfortable sitting in the skin that I am uh, in at the moment not giving too much of a damn about what the haters say you know like because you can I think take a lot from 
what those people talk about. Sometimes what they say is useful or somewhat constructive. Sometimes it's completely not. Um, equally, yeah, it's really difficult to take on board some of that good feedback where, where you know you might actually or maybe you should feed on it a bit more. But I feel like, again, if you're doing it for the right purposes, if you're passionate, if you're driven, if you sort of know the broad direction you're going, it's okay to for it not to be all okay. Like life is messy. Um, take it as it is, run it up the guts and see where you get. Like, again, that whole idea of, you know, a shoot for the stars and if you, uh, sorry, shoot to the moon and if you miss, you'll still be amongst the stars. Like, I quite like that. Like, no one knows exactly what they're doing in life. And if they tell you they know exactly what they're doing, they're just flat out lying. Like, give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? So well said. And I, it's the, so many cliches we could go and of like, you know, it's going to get messy before it gets better. I always remember that when I was cleaning my room. It's going to look crazy, but then it's going to look great. Same way of pushing through. And I love that being uncomfortable. I'm uber uncomfortable when I'm reaching out to people. And then I'm like, why? They can just say no. To your point, people can just say no or they can not respond, whatever. And then when I start a conversation, there's that sense of discomfort, right? But if you push through and then you're having this brilliant conversation with how I am with you, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I had not embraced that sense of discomfort, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? My final sign-off question is, if you had to have just one meal for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, dinner, so not a like death row meal, it's just the same one constantly. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be steak, I reckon, of some description. It'd, it'd be like a, a steak, steak and fries, sort of, uh, with a bit of Bernay sauce on the side. Yeah. Oh, yes. Is there a drink accompanying it? Oh, a, a classic Coke, I think. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. What I miss the most from New Zealand though is like a lemon lime bitters or a traffic oh, light. Yeah. Something like yeah. creative like that, that could go well. I That's the most like Kiwi response. Steak. Steak. I mean, like I could totally get, this is the thing, right? With all of these, you then immediately go, oh, but I like this. Oh, but I like that. <laughs> like it, it, again, couldn't go past like a classic margarita either. But I feel like if you were to say one thing only, steak every night I genuinely don't think I could get sick of that oh I love that so much and before we just chat in general because I want to tee up when you're here I want to say thank you so much Brad I have been looking forward to speaking to you for so long I've been following for so long and the things you've said are just really impactful so thank you so much for joining me today thank you for having me and thank you for all the stuff you do with the podcast it it makes a heck of a difference as well for people so genuinely thank you Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest.